of four colors, the subject being the full figure of a black crow in the middle of the image, in profile, looking to the visitor's right. The other three colors are a deep red, or crimson, background, suggesting the sky, separated from the other colors with a curving line bisecting the middle of the piece horizontally. The crow's head and shoulder area overlap the bright red area. The lightest color, a misty rose, extends from the red section in a skewed semicircle on the right side, suggesting highlights on a snowdrift. The last color, an Indian red, overlaps the crow on the right, obscuring the lower half in a semi-transparent gauzy sheet. This color extends to the bottom of the piece and seems to layer over the red in the upper left corner, down to a slope in the lower right. Let us examine Misty Rose, Indian Red, and Crimson in this episode. First, let's take a trip back in time. Numerous examples exist of heroic military portrait statues which are missing their vital chromatic information, either by weathering, by necessity, or by design. Uncovered in 1863 at the ruins of his third wife's estate, the statue of Emperor Augustus of Prima Porta is an archetypical example of this color information omission. Like so many seemingly ethereal, monochromatic marble statues that have survived from the dawn of the Common Era, the portrait's original pigment is missing. It stands snowy white in the lights of the Vatican Museum. Since the suggestion by Catramere de Quincy in 1815 of the disappearance of their chroma, art historians have attempted to reconstruct the skins of these once colorful statues. Garishly jarring reconstructions are now available to behold through a simple search. Imperator Augustus was fully realized by Emma Zohornero and Jesus Mendiola, in their reconstruction of the Prima Porta with gold, white, blue, and other accents, and a recognizable flesh color topped by a coiffure of unremarkable brown. The most striking color is the vivid red of the emperor's cloth drape. The red paint may have been achieved by numerous methods available to the ancient Romans. Three possibilities are a dullish red ochre made from crushed iron ore, an orangey minimum made from a red lead tetraoxide, and scarlet vermilion made from crushed cinnabar rock. 
If the cloth itself had existed, it may have been dyed using rose matter extracted from the root of the yellow-flowered matter plant. Rose matter was used as a dye from ancient times until the 19th century, so ubiquitous and cheap was the process of dyeing with rose matter that in the mid-17th century, professional soldiers of the new model army of Britain wore red uniforms, which evolved during Britain's empire into the unmistakable ranks of redcoats. Rose matter is not a durable dye and will fade with exposure, so it was relegated to the uniform of privates. This is why I associate it with the HTML color term Misty Rose. Infantry and cavalry wore mock scarlet, commonly derived from Laksha, a scale insect that was and is cultivated in India. Lak insects produce resinous deposits in the branches of the plants they inhabit, which can be refined into shellac. The bodies of the insects themselves produce the ingredients for lac dye. This is my version of Indian Red, the precursor to the more famous red dye cochineal. Mixtures of matter red and cochineal were used for non-commissioned officers of the British Army, and bright crimson dye from the cochineal scale insects that live on the prickly pear cacti in the deserts of the Americas were reserved for officers' uniforms. We can equate this to the crimson HTML color. Cochineal was prized for being quite color fast, which means wear, light, and water were less likely to affect the longevity of the color. So now when you see British military statues with missing color information, you can consider that maybe they were wearing misty rose, Indian red, or crimson. Depending on which British military statue you are looking at, the missing red of the red coats of pre-modern centuries might have been one of these three colors. Or a money-saving combination of them. Now we will take a brief sponsor break to talk about who keeps this show going. by the Community Library of DeWitt and Jamesville. Situated due east of Syracuse, New York, the library offers convenient, friendly, modern services to its patrons. The library features a fully equipped Children's Discovery Center and collections adjacent to a locally and historically significant mural by artist Elliot Matisse. The library has an art gallery featuring shows on a rotating schedule. Additionally, the library offers ebook, audiobook, music, and streaming video collections. The library's makerspace houses their digital production equipment, including the microphone, hardware, and software that are used to make this podcast. For more information, call or stop by, or visit us online at cldnj.org. We look forward to meeting you.
podcast, I would like to share another cool color tool. I would like to talk about the Chrome Lens extension for the Chrome browser. This is a tool that I just found last week, and I'm really excited about it. It only works with Chrome, unfortunately, um, but there might be an equivalent in other browsers. So the main feature is that, so in the Chrome Web Store, a little overview, uh, this is a visual impairment simulation and auditing tool um, that's developed for accessibility. What I really like about this tool is that it is open source. The code for it is on GitHub and the coding for it is open for anyone to look at and use for themselves. So what does it offer? It offers a vision simulator for different kinds of blindness, including color blindness. There's an accessibility audit. Um, it will audit code to see how accessible it is for people visiting the site. And there is also a tab tracker. Some accessibility software is used by navigating with tabs, and it will assess the site and see what the tab flow is like uh, for accessibility. So why am I interested in this? Well, accessibility is really important to me, but I think uh, the vision simulator is really interesting, and I wanted to share it with you. So let me tell you what the different kinds of vision it simulates are. It simulates full blindness, partial blindness, uh, medium partial blindness, mild partial blindness, and serious partial blindness. Uh, it simulates protonomaly, which is red-weak vision, protonopia, which is red-blind, uh, deuteronomaly, which is green-weak, and deuteronopia, which is green-blind, tritonomaly, which is blue-weak, and tritonopia, which is blue-blind. Additionally, it simulates achromatomaly, uh, which is red, green, blue, weak. So that's like all the colors. And then achromatotopsia, which is RGB blind. So basically you can only see in black and white and grays. I thought this was really interesting to try out specifically because I manage the design for our cldnj.org website. And I thought it would be really good to see if things could be uh, made out, uh, if the contrasts were good enough uh, in the colors, and what, what the site actually looks like um, if you are colorblind in these ways. So I did download this. I played around with it a little, and I highly recommend it, especially if you are the designer of a website. Um, it's really good to keep these things in mind and uh, make your site accessible for people who are colorblind. There's another thing that I was using this tool for. I was thinking about purchasing some new items that were specifically color-coded, and there was a website that showed the different color options uh, for these items, and it was important to me that these items would be accessible to people who are colorblind. So I could take a look at the sample of the items and the colors uh, as they would be displayed in different types of colorblindness. So that was really helpful because I could then select the items that were different enough in the different kinds of colorblindness 
that people could still make out the different colors. Um, very, very useful. So I highly recommend this extension. Again, it's Chrome Lens, and you can get it in the Chrome Web Store. And that's a wrap. If you would like to see more of Mary Vertigan's fabulous artworks, visit Kitchen Table Printing on Instagram. For further reading, I would like to recommend A Perfect Red, Empire, Espionage, and the Quest for the Color of Desire by Amy Butler Greenfield. The intriguing title belies a juicy story. If you would like to read more about the meaning and uses of color, visit the Art We Heart list on the Community Library Goodreads account, where there is a wide variety of color-related volumes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Color Decoded. The theme song is by Embers Tide. Episodes are released on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. This episode was recorded with a snowball microphone in group meeting room A, both available for public use at the Community Library of DeWitt in Jamesville. If you are interested in showing in the CLDNJ Art Gallery, please contact the library. Um, Kara Conley, specifically, from the Art Committee can be reached at kconley at cldnj.org. That's k-c-o-n-l-e-y at c-l-d-a-n-d-j dot org. We invite you to visit our gallery, which is open whenever the library is open. And we will chat with you again on the next installment of Color Decoded. 